1: And welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello, Jason. So we are back. Uh, we're a little bit late on, uh, on this episode, but you've had some personal setbacks that have delayed things but we are finishing up our series on buzzer beaters in the nba playoffs and we're going to talk about buzzer beaters uh in the nba finals there are six that have occurred buzzer beaters that have won a game in the nba finals no series winners but you know, some exciting stuff nonetheless and I think this will be uh, a good topic to uh, wrap things up as we transition uh, into the NBA offseason
2: absolutely yeah there, there's some pretty fun ones here some pretty great games some pretty uh you know ones that you may have forgotten ones that you may have never even known existed and then obviously some pretty iconic ones uh, throughout this as well but yeah I mean a buzzer beater in the finals I mean it really doesn't get any better than winning a game of the NBA Finals on a last second shot as time expires or in one case shooting free throws as the time right. expires but hey you know what they're not all that exciting some of them are just but hey you still want an NBA Finals game via a shot a last second shot a crowd can either react you know jump to their feet knowing hey I just saw you know a guy win an NBA Finals game or get very upset that hey I just watched a guy beat our team on our home court uh, for the NBA Finals so, yeah these, these are these are as good as it gets and, and and yeah obviously we're a little bit late obviously the NBA Finals have wrapped up uh, by this time but day, hey, this is still pretty good. And, and this is our show. It's evergreen. We're talking about stuff from 1957. It hasn't changed.
1: Right. <laughs> it, it has not changed. No, it has not. Uh, <laughs> Cliff Hagan still not... hit the
2: shot, baby. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, our first one uh, who is about someone who we would never want to change, Cliff Hagan. Uh, this occurred at April 11th, 1957. Uh, this was game six, 1957 NBA finals, St. Louis Hawks boston celtics one of the great uh finals in nba history we've talked about it before we've talked about the series um we've talked about you know game seven in particular which is one of the great game sevens in nba history at least in terms of dramatics uh but at hey, game six no slouch either so set the stage a little bit key players for the hawks you've got Cliff Hagan, we're going to talk a little more in detail about hall of famer great player you got you know the the immortal bob pettit uh, you got Ed McCauley, former Celtic, who went to the Hawks this year's hometown, St. Louis. You got Slater Martin, came over from the uh, Lakers dynasty. This game, not in one of his career highlights. He was at two for eighteen in the game, but uh, <laughs> you know he, uh, you know he was a standout in his career. Meanwhile, for the Celtics, they're rookies. You got Bill Russell and Tom Heinsohn. You got Bob Cousy, who's six for twenty in this game. But Notoriously, uh, Cousy and his backcourt uh, teammates. Uh, Bill Sharman shot like something like four out of like fifty in uh, Game Seven. Game Six, they weren't really hitting the uh, the, the shots either. Um, Frank Ramsey, uh, also uh, you know one of the key players here. Of course, the beginning of that Celtics dynasty, and you know as we're going to talk about here, the Hawks had a pretty good run as well. Um, this is the first buzzer beater in NBA playoff history. Uh, There's a, there's one um, from Bob Harrison in the 1950 finals for the Lakers. Uh, It's a near half court game winner. It's often described as a buzzer beater, but actually there was time left on the clock for that one. You'll see it. If you you search for it, you'll see a lot of descriptions of it as a buzzer beater, not technically a buzzer beater. Still, you know, impressive, great shot, but not a buzzer beater. So want to clarify that. Um, Yes. But you know, this series just you know, really a doozy. Um, four games in the series had a margin of just two points in the finals, three of them won by St. Louis, including obviously game six, Jared to Tides. Uh, the final one would also be a margin of two, but would not go St. Louis's way. Uh, getting into Cliff Hagen, big college star at Kentucky, uh, actually ended up uh, being involved in a, uh, a scandal at uh, Kentucky, Kentucky. A Point shaving scandal that um, involved the 1951 national championship game. So the team was uh, suspended for his senior um, season. Uh, did end up getting managing to uh, get drafted, though he didn't get banned from uh, this, unlike some of the uh, future uh, scandals. Um, was actually drafted by the Celtics, but uh, had a, a commitment of two years in the military before his NBA career began. And when he was ready to join uh, the Celtics had the chance to draft uh, bill Russell that, Well, but they did get the rights to bill Russell, the Hawks actually drafted bill Russell. So, um, so uh, Hagan and uh, Ed McCauley traded to the Hawks for the rights to bill Russell. Um, and, you know, Hagan, no slouch. I mean, it, obviously the Celtics won the trade, but you know, they, the Hawks did get two Hall of Famers for it, including most of the career of Hagen, who was a two-time uh, All-NBA second team, six-time All-Star in the NBA and the ABA, um, helped the Hawks to a championship the next season in 1958, four finals appearances in five years. You know, pretty much was Robin to Bob Pettit's uh, Batman, you know, kind of just a, a do-everything forward, you know, had a great um, hook shot, kind of filled in the gaps and let uh, Bob Pettit, you know, be the star. You know, was 6'4", but he played bigger than his 6'4". Stature. Actually, you know, his career really turned around in his rookie season because he was moved from guard where he was initially played to forward and, you know, only averaged 5.5 points per game and 3.7 rebounds per game during the regular season. But in the playoffs, he upped that to 17 points per game and 11.2 rebounds per game yeah, and, and was really essential for the
2: Hawks uh, during the series. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, we we've, we're we're a podcast that always tries to have people. You know, it, it's very easy to just say, "Oh my God, can you believe the Hawks traded Bill Russell to the Celtics? Oh, they want the the Celtics want somebody. And and it's true, obviously. Yeah, Bill Russell, one of the all time greats, and obviously the Celtics, one of the all time great dynasties. But yeah, Cliff Hagen and Ed McCauley, no slouches, and and no. Obviously, the Celtics won that trade, but man, the Hawks got a lot out of those guys as well. I mean, like you said, they got two Hall of Famers. They got most of the career of Hagen, and it's not like they weren't, you know, in the mix as well. They, they, as you're saying right there, I mean, they, you know, were able to make finals. They were able to be one of the top teams in the NBA. So it's a lot of times it's very lazy, and 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 again, it's not untrue that Celtics won that trade. But but I, I do feel like unfortunately Cliff Hagan and Ed McCauley both kind of get you know cast aside as like oh my God can you believe they are the guys that got traded for Bill Russell ha ha, ha. and it, it's it's right. it's not entirely fair because both guys had tremendous tremendous NBA careers especially Hagan who 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 in all time great that probably doesn't get his due
1: sure sure absolutely um yeah and, and in the series you know he'd already had a uh, you know, really clutch performance in Game Three you had two key uh, steals in the fourth quarter to kind of wrap that one up and give the Hawks a narrow win there. Uh, and, uh, the play here. Um, so two seconds left, um, Bob Pettit misses a jumper, but Hagan manages to slip by Tom Heinsohn in the box out to tap it in, uh, St. Louis runs off the court celebrating red Albrock rushes. The referee says, no, Hey, there should be time left in this game. You know, what are you doing? This is crazy. You know, there should be time left. We should get, we should get the ball back and, uh, get another shot doesn't happen um you know referee um you know rejects red's arguments um apparently uh six points was the largest margin of this game that never went more than six points
2: I could I could buy it man and that's when we talk about this being an all-time great series here are the scores of the game game one St. Louis wins by two 125 123 game two a blowout 10 points (laughs) Boston wins Right. Game three, St. Louis wins by two again. Yeah. <laughs> game four, Boston wins 123 to 118. Yeah. Game five, probably the only laugh for the entire thing. Boston wins 124 109. This game right. six, two points. Right. Game seven, as we said, one of the greatest NBA games of all time, two points. <laughs> so you <Right>. have. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. What a nuts series. Insane. Yeah. Yes. The
1: uh, Boston Globes Jack Berry described it as. The most spectacular and hardest fought of the greatest NBA final playoff series ever held. So, of course, you know, the league's only been around for seven years, but hey, it, you know, <laughs> you know has, hey, <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah, know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those it's games, one of those series. It's, yeah, that's it, certainly hel- held up. Uh, yeah, obviously, we don't have, you know, a lot of footage of it. So, uh, if you watch it, you know, how much would you enjoy? I don't know, but, uh, definitely the dramatics, you know, the, the closeness of it, the, um, you know, all the all the back and forth twists and turns, you know, made it obviously um, very exciting for storytelling purposes. Um, you know, Hagen, great player, also known for his tendency to get into uh, fisticuffs, especially during his ABA uh, stint. You know, and loose balls with a lot of good stories about him, uh, you know, playing angry, let's say. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Cliff Hagen might have played angry, but we know something
2: that might have made him happy. Oh, we do, and it is the Performance Package 4.0, Jason. The Olympics, yeah. Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer, and you know what is not in, Jason, a wild and hairy bush. We know Cliff Hagen would not want to have uh, no. a wild and hairy bush. He's uh, yeah. You want to tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped to the Leaders and Below the Waist. Grooming their fourth generation performance package includes the brand new lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete like Cliff Hagen treats their body like royalty, we should stop saying that. The estate of Cliff Hagen right. might, no. might be upset that we're, we're using his name in this case. So, uh, this is not officially endorsed by the estate of Cliff Hagen, but uh, no. if an it athlete be, treats though. their body, it should be uh, if an athlete right. treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold, fellas? Do the right thing. Thing by your balls and join the two million men worldwide who trust manscapes by going with the code fan 20 you want to let us know what's in that perfect package 4.0 jason
1: absolutely yeah inside you're gonna find manscapes lawnmower 4.0 Twimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer
2: that's the- a clutch that's awesome oh yeah.
1: yeah that's great the crop preserver ball deodorant the crop reviver toner plus two free gifts performance boxer briefs, and the shed travel bag.
2: That's awesome. So we talk about a world-class dismount into a post-quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package. That was a lot of package in one uh, sentence yeah. there. And performance and new, two more Ps. What alliteration. Uh, yeah. In whatever sport uh, you desire, as we said, the brand-new brand lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology, the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a wow. new multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof as well? This package also comes with a weed whacker to chop the worst weeds up top in both your nose and ear. Uh, this tool is a lock to take home the gold in the biathlon, uh, Jason, yes, and uh, it absolutely. is also also waterproof. Uh, right. as well so yeah there's a lot of good stuff coming into this perfect package
1: 4.0 absolutely yeah this is just wonderful stuff here just you know so many things just <laughs> you know uh, you've, you've got the um uh, you know they've, they've also thrown in two free gifts you know the performance package 4.0 the manscape boxers the shed travel bag and you know you can get 20% off free shipping with the code of 20 at manscape.com that's 20% off and free shipping with the code of 20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory
2: this year with Manscaped. There it is. Pubic glory, folks. Yes. Pubic uh, glory. Pubic glory. This Olympic season with Manscaped. <laughs> fanside 20 manscaped.com, 20% off, plus uh, free shipping. Let's uh, go to a period where I'm... I don't know if uh, this this they may have embraced the uh, the hairy pubes at this time in 1979, <laughs> but you know, hey, yeah. it's a different time, and now these days we don't embrace them as much. But in 1979, yeah. I think they They're may still have, okay. but yeah, hey, still okay, yeah. still still allowed in in society. But uh, sure. Larry Wright is the man we're going to talk about here, May twentieth, nineteen seventy nine, game one of the Larry uh, Wright. Larry Wright, yes. Who is Larry Wright? Who is Larry Wright? Yeah, we're going to talk about Michael Jordan and Dennis Johnson and Jerry West. We've talked about Cliff Hagan, and now we're going to talk about Larry uh, Wright. So Larry Wright was a legend at grambling, uh, but he had pretty humble beginnings in the NBA. Uh, but on this night in 1979, in the NBA Finals, he took over. This is between the Bullets and the Sonics. Uh, key players for the Bullets. Bob Dandridge, Elvin Hayes, Wes Unseld, the Sonics, Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, who we'll talk about in a bit, uh, Jack Sigma, Paul Silas, Fred Brown. And yet, despite all those talented players, all those Hall of Famers, all those top-tier guys, it is the Larry Wright Show here on this night he takes over. He scores 26 points off the bench in Game 1 of the NBA Finals, uh, and we'll talk about it a bit, his most important shots of the entire game. Uh, it took a little bit, but uh, Wright had won a championship with the Bullets the season prior. Obviously, this is the rematch here: Bullets uh, and Sonics, and uh, and uh, he won it the season prior. But he'd only averaged eight point one points per game and nineteen point one minutes per game uh, in the playoffs that year. But he wasn't he wasn't exactly a nobody. I mean, we might not know who he is, and, and history may you know not really remember Larry Wright that much. But he wasn't a complete nobody. He had actually scored forty three points in a game back in October nineteen seventy nine. Uh, he had thirty a few months prior in nineteen uh, in, in in January of nineteen seventy nine as well. Uh, but you know, at this time. He's 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 still you know he's not those guys as we said <laughs> you know the 1979 Bullets, they have several guys you'd expect to take over and win them an NBA finals game you have Elvin Hayes, uh, Bob Dandridge, Elvin Hayes averages twenty one point eight points per game in the in the regular season, Bob Dandridge twenty point four, uh, Kevin Greve fifteen point five points per game in the regular season, future NBA executive Mitch Kupchak he's got fourteen point six points per game as well, uh, Wes Unseld is starting to break down but he's still you know he's freaking Wes Unseld like you know you could maybe rely on him uh, to win you a game here at this point but no it is none of those guys. It is Larry Wright who steps up in Game 1 and has the game and the moment of his lifetime. So not only does he hit that last shot that we're going to talk about here in a bit, he connects on 9 of his first 10 shots. He shoots 12 of 16 overall in the game. Uh, As far as kind of the final minutes of this and how we get to this point with Larry Wright, uh, the Bullets control most of the game. They lead by 18 in the 4th. 18 in the fourth, they feel 13. like they have it in the bag. Wow. They do not. Lenny Wilkins' crew decides screw this. We're not going down. They they get a furious comeback. They tie the game at 97 uh, with seconds left to go. Larry Wright drives to the basket. He's pretty much left open because it's Larry Wright. You're not going to guard Larry Wright. You're going to guard all those other guys that I mentioned. Dennis Johnson, though, quickly realizes, oh crap, nobody's guarding Larry Wright. I'm going to go over there. And he blocks Dennis, or he blocks Larry Wright. Dennis Johnson does. And the Seattle Supersonics, they start celebrating. They've done it, but no, a referee runs in to say, no, 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 not so fast. Dennis Johnson, you committed a foul
0: on Larry Wright.
2: A personal foul. And this place is up for grabs. It's in Washington, so thank God, because I I don't know what these referees would be able to... (laughs) We're going to talk about it in a bit. The referees needed security to get off the court, and they were, you know, in favor of the home team, just to give you an idea of how things went. If this was in Seattle, I don't know if these guys make it out alive, because... The Seattle Supersonics, every single one of them get off the bench and start screaming at this referee. Dennis Johnson is jumping up and down. He looks like seconds away from killing this man. Like, I I honestly think, you know, had they been in Seattle and had the the crowd egged him out a little bit more, he may have done it. Or, you know... He doesn't want to you know, commit murder on the, for, for a basketball yeah. play, but he, got, he gets pretty close. Cool. He is just jumping up and down. Lenny yeah. Wilkins, who looks dapper as hell, by the way, in a, in a right. fantastic oh, yeah. suit here with some great, uh, yeah. a, a great collars here. He runs out and he's just like, Are you kidding me? You got Jack Sigma, who's just, these guys, they're dumbfounded. They say, How can you call a foul on this shot of all shots? And, and you watch the replay, and it's not like there's not no contact. But I don't know if there's enough contact to call a foul on yeah, a last-second yeah. play like this. So, uh, yeah. but but so it's it's tough. I I'm I'm with DJ on this one. I'm with the Sonics on this one. It, it seems a little tough. But uh, it does not matter what happens anyway. Is uh, the shot's going to happen? They're going to get the free throws. What I did love about this: the entire sequence from Larry Wright going for the shot to Dennis Johnson following him to the Sonics arguing to Larry Wright getting on the line and then Larry Wright hitting the free throws. Literally takes like 45 seconds. Like, can you imagine how long this would take? in today's NBA game, if they did this, this would take 45 minutes, probably instead of 45 seconds, but all this is happening just pure chaos. So right goes to the line. He misses the first shot, but the crowd is not upset. The announcers are not upset because NBA rules at the time say you get three to make two and he only had to make one. So he just had to make yeah. one of the next two uh, to do it. He makes the second crowd starts celebrating. He pretty much gets ready to walk off the court and then realizes that eh, I might as well take the third hits the third anyway, just for uh. Safe measure, and uh, he does it. The, uh, Washington, uh, the Washington Wizards, Jesus. The Washington Bullets win the game. Larry Wright is the hero. Uh, security comes to help the referees off the floor, as uh, believe it or not, the Sonics players did not get over this in the next uh, minute. They are still very upset. Uh, these referees get uh, get escorted off the court. Hot Rod Hundley runs down there to interview uh, Larry Wright after the game. He's being mobbed by fans behind him. They're all just you know, slapping hands and touching him on the back and doing all that sort of stuff. Uh, Larry Wright and the ultimate cool guy... Quote of all time, I'd say this is this is really just an all timer He says, "Well, what what were you thinking?" You know, Hot Rod Huntley says, what, "What were you thinking when Dennis Johnson, you know, fouled you?" And Larry Rick goes, "I think it was a goaltend, also." <laughs> it's like it was definitely not a goaltend either. But right, I love the idea that like ah whatever foul or not, yeah. it was probably a goaltend too.
1: <laughs> Shoot your shot, Larry. Right, my. my hey, well. hey yeah. this is
2: your moment, man. Go yeah. for it. Uh, but yeah, he just says he was cool, calm, collected, uh, hot Rodman says, were you worried when you missed that first free throw? And he goes, well, no, cause I had two more to go. So, uh, very odd. I mean, that's, that's a rule in the NBA history that I always forget about. I always forget that it was a thing. And, and, and here was a big moment, uh, where, where it happened. But, um, Larry Wright just kind of said, Hey, I got three chances. I knew I was going to hit at least one. So, uh, that would be fine. So that that is it. There's it for Larry Wright. And uh, a lot of people, I, I went to the YouTube video of this uh, this highlight in this clip, and a lot of people were saying, hey, Jimmy Butler brought me here. 2020 brought me here. All that sort of stuff that you see in the comments. And I'm thinking, man, I don't remember. What what connection does Jimmy Butler and Larry Wright have? I don't understand. And I forgot. And I forget a lot of things about the 2020 NBA season. But sure. in the bubble, game two of the Eastern Finals. Between the Heat and the uh, the eventual twenty twenty one NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks, congratulations to them. Uh, this uh, game, the Heat win one sixteen to one fourteen. Uh, final few minutes of the game, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo fouls Jimmy Butler as time expires, and it led to one of the more surreal scenes uh, in sports. Butler is at the free throw line, and nobody is on the floor with him because time had expired in the game. So it's very similar to this, where there was zero seconds left on the clock when this guy got his free throws later, right? And the exact same thing happened with Jimmy Butler in the 2020 bubble, when, and that was the first time. It had not happened any time before that as well. First time a playoff game had been decided on free throws with the clock at zero uh, since this game. This one takes place, obviously, in the NBA Finals. This one, uh, or the other one, 2020. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, an awesome uh, all-time moment uh, for, for Larry Wright. Unfortunately, the Sonics, uh, for Larry Wright, I should say, unfortunately, uh, so uh, Sonics would storm back. Thanks to Dennis Johnson, he would redeem himself here uh, to win NBA, uh, NBA Finals MVP uh, and help Sonics win their franchises first uh, and only uh, NBA championship as well. And, and this is, unf- I can't believe this is true, and I had to double, triple, quadruple check it, and it is absolutely true. Uh, this time, 1979, Seattle Supersonics, the most recent time that a Western Conference team not based in Texas or California has won an NBA title.
1: That, that's pretty amazing. That has not <laughs> happened uh, in either of our, our lifetimes.
2: It's, yeah. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, and, and again, like Texas and California are very large states, with a lot of teams. So it's not unreasonable, but it's also like, right. oh, man, there's a whole lot of teams that haven't won a title. So, yeah. Uh, hell, right. If, if Phoenix yeah. won this year, that would have. It would have broken that, uh, that 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 thing there, but uh, anyway. Yes. Uh, as far as Larry Wright, he played one more season in Washington before being dealt to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, did not play all that well for the Pistons. He, he was fine, but not really. Just you know, never really kind of would reach his highs of of this game. He averaged seven point sure. four points per game uh, in nineteen eighty one, uh, just one year prior to the start of the Isaiah Thomas era as well. So he's in that weird kind of yeah. in between period uh, for the Pistons, and and you know then by nineteen eighty two uh, he skips across the Atlantic. And starts for Banco di Roma in Italy, and then uh, bounces around Italy for a few years, wins an Italian League Championship, in uh, 1983, and then would we'll go on to become the head coach at Grambling, assistant coach, uh, and I think he's got a legacy. I think there's like he's got four or five kids, and I think they all played uh, college ball, and I think a few of them played uh, professionally as well. So yeah, a, a good legacy for Larry Wright, but uh, he'll always have this one moment, his, his all-time all-time great moment for uh, for him, and an all-time great moment for the Washington Bullets uh, franchise as well, even if the the result ultimately didn't end up in a championship.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Interesting one. Yeah. He, that's a, that's a cool, you know, obviously a, a fun footnote in NBA history for um, a number of uh, reasons. And uh, next we'll go to somebody a little bit, a little bit better known than Larry Wright. uh, Jerry West. Uh, This is 1962 uh, April 10th. Uh, This is game three of the series. Uh, It was tied one-to-one and Jerry West um, quite the, uh, I guess earning the, uh, Named Mr. Clutch here, the the nickname that he had, despite the uh, Lakers, you know, losing every uh, series or every <laughs> uh, you know, finals that they were in until you know finally breaking through in uh, nineteen seventy two. Yeah, so key players here, Celtics. Uh, you know, you've, you've, of course, you got Bill Russell, you got Bob Cousy, you got Time Heinsohn, you got both the Joneses, Casey and Sam, you got Frank Ramsey. Uh, this year they were sixty and twenty statistically. If you look at SRS, probably. Uh, in the record probably the best team of dynasty you know in terms of performance during the season um, talent wise you could argue the 63 team because they had you know, basically the same roster plus they had a rookie John Haplecek, Um, and we're almost as good statistically so you know uh, anyway pretty much at the peak of that um, and the Lakers uh, you know this is actually their their first finals appearance um, I believe you know since the uh, since Minneapolis you know w- with you know Baylor and um west and they combined for 75 of the lakers 117 points um in this game um west himself had uh 36 of them and uh they also you've got frank Selvi, you got real russo jim krebs Rod Hunley. so you know not a murders row on the Lakers' side you're very top heavy you know where the uh the celtics of course have the uh have the great balance and, uh, yes, so, you know, West already before this moment with four seconds left and Sam Jones trying to inbound Bob because he actually scored four straight points to tie the game at 115. Um, and then, as we mentioned, you know, Sam Jones trying to inbound the ball, but West intercepts the pass at midcourt and then he runs about 30 feet and beats the clock for layup. the layup. The ball actually uh, dramatically bouncing off of the rib before falling into the, uh, the the basket. Came close to actually bouncing out, but goes in the basket. Either in L.A., the crowd goes nuts. And we got Red right Arbuck. Vociferously protesting and say, "Hey, there's no way that West that that, that he could have reached the other basket in, in so little time. The clock, you know, the clock's always working against um Red. Either, oh yeah, way, little you right. know? Yeah,
2: Red's, Red. always is well well aware of what the clock is, who's available. To, I mean, he is and what
1: it should be. Yeah, yeah.
2: This guy gets it. I mean, and and and, yeah. and 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 believe it or not, the referees did not listen to him in this case either. But yeah, um,
1: yeah. He, yeah either too much or too little. To, you know, <laughs> right.
2: He, <laughs> yeah, nobody else knows what's going on with the clock except for Red. Why don't they just ask him every time?
1: They, really yeah i mean hey Red, you know, what's the, what's the clock where should you put it at every right
2: every time out every every stoppage of place stop and look at reds hey what time do you want on the yeah, clock there, you, yeah what
1: time should it be yeah i mean <laughs> right. yes he's, he's got like just a, the, the perfect internal uh you know clock. Yeah, right. he's, he, he's, yeah it's after like a dog yeah
2: he's got great internal clock yeah, just, right.
1: right yeah <laughs> much like a dog <laughs> um so yes afterward uh you know jerry uh mobbed by his teammates and fans you in the video, you can see the mob surrounding him as he heads into the tunnel. And it kind of looks like an awkward moment because, like, you know, this is back when they are only one tunnel. There's not separate entrances for teams in most arenas. So both the Lakers and the Celtics have to go, you know, through the same tunnel. So you kind of see, like, the Celtics sort of awkwardly, like, leaving the crowds, so you see, like sad Celtics players and like happy Lakers players and crazy fans, like all like trying to like get through like one area. It's a. It's I'm always funny. amazed
2: that there weren't more like all out brawls. You, you know what I mean? Like just, right. I, I cannot imagine like you just lost a game and this other team's cheering and that you just want to right. turn around and just deck them. You know what I mean? Just be like, screw right. you. Like, yeah. You know, and there's like fans bumping into you and stuff. And everyone's oh, going yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you oh, yeah. not just turn around and punch people? I don't
1: right? I yeah. I mean, obviously it didn't happen occasionally, but yes, you are surprised that didn't happen. Like every um, game. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah for, Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, you know, the, despite the heroics here, the uh, Celtics surprise surprise end up winning the series uh, in fact, the Lakers were up three to two. They won Game Five in Boston. Um, you know they were poised to uh, they were poised to win this, but it did not uh, happen for them. the uh, The Celtics were able to uh, win Game uh, Six in LA, Game Seven in Boston to buy three points just to uh, win that one for. Um, and of course, you know, Jerry West, we don't really need to get uh, super in detail on Jerry West, one of the great uh, players in NBA history, you know, the great he's guards of this era, logo.
2: he's the logo. You can look yeah, it up on your yeah. own,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. We've, we've, we've covered Jerry West, you know, in detail before, so, <laughs> right. um, we're not getting a lot, but you know, of course, you know, when you think of buzzer beaters in the finals that there's actually an even more famous instance in my mind, uh, 1970, um, in the finals against the Knicks, uh, where, uh, West uh, ends up making a, a basket from past half court in 1970 that uh, only tied the game. However, sending the game into overtime, the Knicks end up winning that game in overtime. But I believe that was game five. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, you know, that. so that's obviously, you know, a, a pivotal uh, moment in, uh, in, in that game. A, a dramatic shot, but of course, uh, did not win the game. So it doesn't count for our purposes, but still worth an asterisk, which we've just given.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. and, and as, as we said, we're doing kind of clinching games or game clinchers are here or whatever. So, right. yes, while yep. that is a quote unquote buzzer beater in the finals, it didn't uh, just sent the game to overtime, didn't actually win the game for the team. So correct. Yes. All right, let's move on to our next one here. The uh, aforementioned Dennis Johnson, we talked about him all the way back in 1979. He would eventually win the finals MVP uh, that year, redeeming himself after a horrendous finals the year prior. One of the all time, right. all time bad uh, NBA finals ever, including the 1978 finals uh, game seven. Uh, Which was not so good, and that's uh, uh, DJ's history, Dennis Johnson's history in the clutch, uh, here, very, very good, 1984 Finals, very, very good, and as we said, 1978 NBA Finals Game 7, really, really, really bad, as in he didn't make any shots, which is not good. No, especially when you take more than one and more than two and more than three. And he took a lot of shots and he didn't make any of them. So, uh, did not go well for Dennis Johnson. In, zero. Uh,
1: yeah. It's, uh, just for the record, yeah. A zero of 14. Yes. In, uh, <laughs>
2: Which is not, uh, not one, not two, yeah. not three, not four, not five, not yeah. six, not 10, not 12. No, he missed 14 right. shots. It didn't make I, any I, I of g- them. <laughs> right.
1: Game 6, he was four of 16. So, yeah, not, uh, not to uh, shoot or shoot, shoot maybe, you know, there, you know, but, gotta shoot yeah. through it
2: eventually. But,
1: uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but a not to, Right, so, yeah, yeah.
2: It for him to shoot through it, but he got, he got things, it, so.
1: Yeah, things worked out in '79. Yes, absolutely, and, and again here in '84 and '85, did well as well. So
2: absolutely, you know. absolutely. Yeah. But right. uh, this is mm-hmm. Game Four. Series is tied two-two. It is the Lakers. It is the Celtics. I mean, it's peak. I mean, it's peak '80 Celtics here. Larry Bird, True. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson. MLK's towel and, and weird hair. Yeah. Greg Kite, you know. Yeah, legendary Celtics. Kite.
1: Yeah. He doesn't love Greg Kite.
2: <laughs> legendary Celtics. In uh, yeah. peak peak 80s Lakers as well. Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kurt Rambis, Byron Scott. Also pretty interesting and in deep bench too. Bob McAdoo uh, on the bench this yeah. year uh, yeah. as well as Michael Cooper. Uh, uh, is kind of rounding out they very yeah. two really really deep teams two very very good teams and uh, I, I just want to at least for a second here talk about Dennis Johnson because his story is an all-timer and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. you know know him for the 84 finals and know him for here and know him for the you know finals MVP and all that sort of stuff but his story and how he got here is, is is pretty nuts so he graduated from Dominguez High School in Compton California which believe it or not a lot of NBA players come from that I initially know Tyson Chandler as a guy from there I didn't realize also Cedric tobalus also, Brandon Jennings, also Tayshawn Prince. I mean, that is a right. hell of a reunion team, right yeah. there. I mean, that, yeah. that team's doing pretty well. If you take, uh, you can put that up against any non-kind of academy high school uh, anywhere in the country, and I think that's a pretty damn good team there, and pretty good alumni right. there. Such as the balls, Tyson Chandler, Brandon Jennings, Tayshawn Prince, uh, mm-hmm. and Dennis Johnson. It kind of works. Uh, positionally yeah. as well it's not yeah, bad, that, you know not bad. I mean, yeah like, you good. got everyone there you know brandon jennings at the at the two Dennis yeah. johnson at the one you got Cedric to at the at the at the three Tayshawn's going to be a little out of position at the four but you can make it work in the modern nba yeah. and
1: then you got tyson chandler defending the rim that's not bad yeah I, i'm surprised they don't have like a compton like big three uh team you know you mean, you could get like Tayshawn and jennings yeah, and yeah. tyson chandler's like a big three team i mean ice cube you know he's the
2: right you right. would yeah. think
1: yeah they would they, that would be a natural let's I,
2: I'll, I'll dm i'll dm Mr. Cube right, yeah, and, did, ask, and I, tell I, him about I, this. So. Yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, Johnson measures at just five nine when he's playing in high school. When I say he graduated, he gets a minute or two each game in high school. Like he's right. he's nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> after high sure. school. He's not going to play college basketball because he doesn't play very much. He's 5'9". He doesn't really play. Uh, he works several odd jobs. He gets a $2.75 hour job as a forklift driver. and sure. um, Plays with his brothers in summer league games uh, after work. Uh, during this time, he grows to a height of 6'3", which is definitely going to help you. Uh, and Jim White, who was the coach at Los Angeles Harbor College, uh, was watching Johnson play street basketball and said, Hey, this guy, he's great at defense and I can teach him offense, he, he, he's he got size, this guy can be good. White asks him to enroll, Johnson gave up his jobs and go for it, and in, in that first year, he helps the college win a JUCO state title, Los Angeles Harbor College. Uh, and DJ, uh, believe it or not, was not the easiest to get along with at that time, or, well, ever, <laughs> you know, really, in his life. Uh, he's thrown off the team three times in two years uh, after the end of his JUCO career. Two universities offer him scholarships. Azusa Pacific University eventually would just become Pacific University. And Pepperdine University, Uh, Johnson chooses the latter. And in his only year there, he averages 15.7 points, 5.8 rebounds per game, and uh, 3.3 assists per game. Continues that reputation uh, for being a great defender. uh, And then after that year, makes himself eligible for the 1976 NBA Draft. Skeptical that any team would take him, but the Seattle Supersonics take a chance on him. Select him in the second round of the 1976 NBA Draft. Uh, Seattle is, of course, where he gets the nickname DJ, which I think a lot of people might not know. They might just think it's a Boston Celtics name. No, it was Seattle where he got the name because uh, play-by-play announcer for Seattle, Bob Blackburn, has to come up with it to distinguish himself, uh, distinguish DJ, from his teammates, John Johnson and Vinny Johnson. So you cannot get away with just saying Johnson because there are three <laughs> men Johnson on the team. So Blackburn refers to John Johnson as JJ, Vinny Johnson as VJ, and Dennis Johnson as, yes, you guessed it, DJ. So... Uh, as we mentioned here, Johnson has a very rough Game 7 in the 1978 NBA Finals, misses all 14 of his field goal attempts. Uh, he'd make up for it the next year, scoring 32 points a Game 4 overtime victory, then drops 21 points in the decisive Game 5 to become uh, the NBA Finals MVP and help the Seattle Supersonics win uh, the NBA Finals. And uh, as we said, tough to get along with at times. He clashes with Lenny Wilkins, and he has traded to Phoenix for Paul Westfall. Uh, unfortunately, the Sonics finished 22 games worse in the next season, so he uh, obviously played a big role in that team uh, after two successful years uh, on the court. And guess what? Two frustrating years off the court. He has clashes with teammates, coaches, and owners. Johnson is on the move again, this time to the Boston Celtics for Rick Roby and draft picks, but this time it kind of all clicks and it all works. Uh, Dennis Johnson, offense and poise and defense helps the Celtics defeat the Lakers in 1984, uh, with Johnson uh, in particular. Uh, he's able to limit uh, Magic Johnson to a lot of another Johnson here MJ yeah. we'll call we'll call Magic Johnson right. MJ yeah, not confusing sense. at all though i can't no imagine there's MJ's, any yeah. other MJ in NBA history no. No. that we would confuse her so yeah we'll call Magic Johnson MJ we'll yeah. call Dennis Johnson DJ and that should make sure. up uh, make it yeah. very very easy to figure out here but uh, yeah it. he limits him to low scoring uh, and, and, and really kind of helps, as I've said, the Celtics win uh, the 1984 uh, Finals. The 1985 season, Johnson continues to play great defense, uh, earns uh, all-defensive second-team honors while averaging 16.9 points per game and 7.3 assists per game as well. He's a key part of this team. Celtics and the Lakers meet in the 1985 NBA Finals again. And uh, DJ's big moment here comes in Game 4. Scores tied at 105. Teammate, Larry Bird has the ball in the last seconds. Magic Johnson had just hit a shot to the of the game. It's kind of an iconic moment as well where Magic gets this rebound, immediately puts up a shot, and he just starts pumping his fist as he walks his way uh, down the court. Bird has the ball. He smartly gets double-teamed by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson because, of course, you would probably want to guard Larry Bird. Bird passes the open teammate, who's Dennis Johnson, and Dennis Johnson seeks the 19-foot buzzer beater. The Lakers try to call a timeout, but time has expired. Game over. Dennis Johnson hits the game winner here, wins the buzzer beater. Uh, eventually, Lakers would get the last laugh, though. They would win the series in six games. Uh, yeah. Johnson would get 16 point uh, points per game and 9.5 assists per game in the series uh, as well, but uh, unfortunately the Celtics did not win this game. But hey, this is not going to be the end for the heroics of Dennis Johnson. The next year he's going to have the very famous Eastern Conference Finals thing where he hits the infamous late game layup. Blair Bird steals the inbound pass, passes right. it to DJ. DJ gets the layup. So yeah, the heroics they're still going to be there. And don't worry, the Celtics are going to be okay. They're going to win yeah. another finals. So
1: something a little surprising: Red Arbeck did not complain about the c- clock management of this game.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys got it good. Yeah, Lakers <laughs> yeah. call the time, He goes, "Refs, you nailed yeah. this one, guys. Thank yeah. you for finally listening nice, to my advice. You, you
1: appreciate it. Done it. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. That's uh." Uh, that's good stuff. Yes. So, uh, yeah, the, definitely, uh, uh, definitely good times there. We uh, go next to Julius Irving. This is the ABA Finals Game One, uh, May first, nineteen seventy six. This would end up being the final uh, ABA Finals, as the merger would occur uh, later that summer. Uh, key players for the Nets: You've got Irving, you got Super John Williamson, you got Brian Taylor. You got the immortal Rich Jones. You, have, you feature NBA coach Kim Hughes. Um for the Nuggets, a little bit more of a, a star-studded cast. You got David Thompson, who was a rookie and just, you know, an incredible uh standout, uh, Bobby Jones, uh Dan Issel, Marvin Webster, and then longtime uh Nuggets, ABA original Byron Beck, uh been with the Nuggets, uh well, the Denver franchise who and the Rockets and then became the Nuggets um during that time. So uh, yeah, so far, every single finals buzzer beater that we've described um, in this, uh, you know, in this episode has come for a team that lost a series, but no longer. The uh, the Nets uh, won this series, and uh, Dr. J helped get them there in game one. 45 points in this game, 12 rebounds. You know, Irving's definitely, you know, already been carrying the franchise since he got there, you know, helped carry them to the 1974 ABA title. They looked like they were going to be headed there for a follow-up in 1975, but they were shockingly upset by Marvin Barnes and the spirits of St. Louis. We've talked about that in um, previous episodes. So uh, the Nets decide, Hey, we're going to, you know, um, we're, we're going to shuffle things around. And they got uh, made some off season trades with this, with the Spurs that ended up getting them Swen uh, Sven Nader, uh, Chuck Terry, Kim Hughes, and Rich house Jones from the uh, Spurs. They gave up, Larry Cannon, Mike Gale, and Billy Paltz. Um, idea was hey, we need some more rebounding. Um, then they later, later traded Nader to uh, the uh, the Virginia Squires for Jim Ekins. They also got Ted McClain from Kentucky. You know, kind of a veteran from that '75 uh, Colonels team that won the championship. So Nets still stay strong in the regular season, 55 games, but definitely like Irving, they they don't quite have as much scoring punch anymore. I mean, they still got Super mm-hmm. John there. We still got, you know, Brian Taylor, still a great guard. So they, I mean, they have talent, but not quite as much, you know, like Doc's having to do more than he had to do, um, you know, previously. which um, you know, is bad because he's a great player. Um, Nuggets, in the meantime, in their second straight 60-plus win season under Coach Larry Brown, and, hey, they added, uh, you know, two future Hall of Famers, David Thompson and, you know, uh, Dan Nissel from the Colonels to, you know, just won the championship too. An impressive crew of uh, young talent. And, you know, they got Marvin Webster. You know, we got the other guys that we talked about as well. And uh, speaking of Webster, he had actually tied this game um, and uh, leading to the Nets having the final possession um, with just a few seconds left at 118-110. And there's video of this one too. Um, and uh, basically, uh, yeah, very coolly, uh, Irving catches the inbounds pass. And just you know drills a a baseline jump jumper very easily, very very uh, almost nonchalantly, we we should say. So uh, this is in Denver. Um, the Nets end up uh, you know they win this uh, series in six games, but all of them you know within single digit uh, margins. It was a it was a tightly contested series. Uh, the Nets had to come make a big comeback in Game Six to win the championship um, at home and uh Irving in the series he would average 37.7 points per game, 14.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. Uh lead actually led his team in all the five major statistical categories, which I believe the only person to do that in a finals was LeBron James in uh, 2015. So um pretty uh, special company right there and uh definitely uh, you know of course you know Irving lots of standout moments in his career but you know again doesn't really uh it uh, doesn't get much better than uh, hitting a buzzer beater to uh, you know, to win a finals game.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And if you watch the, the video of this, uh, as you said, it's so calm and so cool that – I remember watching. I was watching. I was like, okay, well, when's the buzzer beater? Like, you know, right. it, oh, that's it. That's the buzzer beater. Because yeah. he just dribbles and just launches it just hits the shot. And he's just like, yeah, I made it. Of course I did. Like, you know, yeah. And yeah. there's not like you know this hysteria that you get a lot. Of, it's just like, yeah, no, I just won the game because I'm Dr. J. I'm cool. Like, yeah, there's just you know, he just rises up, hits the shot, it's over. It's it, it, it's it's just yeah. It's really, really. It just perfectly encapsulates this era of Dr. J. Just the coolest. Just the coolest motherfucker in the world, you know. Right. Right? It, just, yes. it just rises yes. up. The big fro hits the shot. Boom, we're good. Yeah. Let's go home. Yeah. Like, that's all. You know, yeah. let's, let's party. Let's, let's go. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I love it. It's it's, it's great stuff there. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, as you said, that that you know the 2015 uh, comparison to LeBron James, we only got to you know lead his team in all major statistical categories. That of course was the year where like it was. LeBron, and then the second best player was Matthew Dellavedova because everybody else was hurt. So, right. uh, an all time great series from LeBron. Obviously, it didn't didn't work out. Golden State gets the you know wins the finals, but uh, yeah, just an awesome, awesome series as well. So, yeah, for Doctor J to be in that company, having watched that series live and, and see what LeBron was doing in that time, and like you said, those numbers: thirty seven point seven points per game, fourteen point three rebounds per game, five point three assists. I mean, it's just yeah, that's that's insane stuff from Doctor J there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, then we'll go to our final final buzzer beater here. It's been this long since one has happened. Michael Jordan, June first, nineteen ninety seven, game one of the nineteen ninety seven NBA Finals, Utah Jazz versus the Chicago Bulls. Uh, key players in this series, and this of course is not you know they they rematch in nineteen ninety eight and and I will say as as I'm kind of you know doing notes for this and recapping and going over this series, nineteen ninety eight gets its. You know everybody regards that as like the all-time one of the all-time great NBA finals ever and that was one because it was theater you, you know it, everybody knew the Bulls were done everybody sure. knew that Michael Jordan was done it was the jazz going for it again it was the rematch I mean it's the one that like it was probably the biggest pop culture NBA finals of all time and the ratings reflect that as well I mean just the ratings just a stupid amount of people watching these games like 38 to 40 million people watching game seven or game six or whatever just sure. just crazy stuff it's great theater the 1997 NBA Finals though I would say probably better basketball being played uh, in, in general, I mean, both teams I think were, were, were just a little bit better in this year, and there was a lot of really fun games and a lot of really fun, you know, back and forth, you know, games in the series. It just didn't have the same theater as the 1998 finals, but uh, I always want to give a little credit to the 97 finals. A really, really fun uh, series. But anyway, key players are going to be the same for, for pretty much both series. Uh, for Chicago Bulls, you have Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Tony Kuko, just kind of leading the Bulls. Uh, the Jazz. Uh, similarly, Karl Malone, John Stockton, Jeff Hornacek, Byron Russell. There's good players on both benches, but it's really those guys, and it's really largely the top two guys leading everything in the Bulls. It's Jordan Pippen and, and, and Rodman, and eh, I guess Coach gets a, a decent amount of credit there. And sure, the Jazz sure. are pretty much 100% Malone and Stockton with a little bit of help, yeah. you know, from the other guys as well. But uh, it's not Greg today that that's leading these guys to the, uh, the, the NBA Finals. It's Malone and it's Stockton. Uh, sure. But uh, yeah, the final shot here is going to be Michael Jordan hitting a shot against byron russell uh, <laughs> man oh. <laughs> Who knew? That before. Yeah. yeah the early uh, yeah, this uh, a bad omen for the jazz in the future that gives the uh, right. chicago bulls an 84 to 82 victory yes 82 or 84 to 82 uh but uh yeah going into this series though the bulls and the jazz want to combine 133 regular season games uh, the second most uh, in finals history uh, chicago comes into this game just barely missing back-to-back 70 win seasons and had to settle for a tremendously disappointing sixty nine and thirteen record. Just, uh, just hysteria in Chicago of I, I, what's I, wrong with the Bulls? <laughs> like, I mean, why even record?
1: bother at that point? You know, <laughs> right? They should have just yeah. sat
2: the, the playoffs. Canceled out. the
1: finals, yeah. Right? right. There's no point. Yeah. What
2: is? I mean, this team is. We got to. There's got to be answers here. Sixty nine and thirteen is not good enough. It's not right. good enough. No. no. Come on, guys, get it together. But anyway, the right. Bulls uh, get to the playoffs. They sweep the Washington Bullets in the first round. They beat the Atlanta Hawks. Your Atlanta Hawks in five. My years. Atlanta Hawks, yes. Yeah. You're, you're, team, <laughs> yeah. You love the nineteen ninety seven Atlanta Hawks. yeah. Yeah. And then uh defeated the Miami Heat in 5 to make their second straight NBA finals. Uh the Jazz they finished 1997 with a franchise record 64 wins. Uh MVP Karl Malone. They finally break through to the top of the Western Conference and uh, you know, we'll talk about their finals and or, or their path to the finals and if you listen to previous episodes, you might know that hey, I remember why they got to the finals and yes uh, they sweep the Clippers in the opening round. They beat the Lakers in five games. So they take down both LA teams uh, and then as we discussed in the prior episode of the series, they put the Houston Rockets away with John Stockton's buzzer beater in game six of the Western Conference finals to get the Utah Jazz finally to an NBA Finals after many, many years of getting so, so close uh, but never over the hump and this is the Bulls fifth Finals appearance of the decade, and this is the Jazz first ever appearance uh, in an NBA Finals. Uh, but as far as this game, this game one, uh, the Bulls trailed by one in the fourth. Uh, they were able to gra- grab an eighty-one to seventy-nine lead after uh, Scottie Pippen blocks Antoine Carr. Uh, then made a three a three pointer with one minute and eleven seconds remaining in the game. John Stockton comes back and answers with a three of his own uh, with fifty one point seven seconds left in the game to give Utah an eighty two to eighty one lead. Michael Jordan then gets fouled. He goes to the line. He makes only one of two free throws. Oh wow! I thought this guy was clutch.
1: <laughs> I thought so too, but apparently yeah.
2: not. Yeah. Or there's ice water in those veins. There's no ice water. Yeah. He just choked. Thirty five point eight seconds left. Game is tied at eighty two. Then Carl Malone is fouled by Dennis Rodman with 9.2 seconds left. A huge blunder. How could you foul Carl Malone with 9.2 seconds left to go and gives Utah a chance to get the lead. And this is a very famous moment here where Scotty Pippen says that he walks up to Carl Malone and says, just remember the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. Boom. And then Carl steps up to the line and misses both free throws. He did ah. not deliver on this Sunday. Got Jordan said. gets the rebound quickly calls a timeout 7.5 seconds left And you know who's getting the ball here. And like we talked about in the prior series, uh, prior game winners against the Cavaliers with Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, Jordan's probably taking the shot. I mean, I guess he, you know, he's passed to Paxton. You know, later where he's going to pass in the series, he's going to pass to Steve Kerr for big shots. But I don't know. I take my chances with John Paxton or or Steve Kerr. I'm probably going to bring somebody else to to Michael Jordan. But, no, he gets the ball. He dribbles a bunch. Then he launches a 20-footer, and it goes in. And the Bulls win. Jordan casually pumps his fist in triumph. It's an iconic image, you know, and obviously in his career, and it is over. Game one goes to the Bulls. Uh, Brian Williams, Chicago Bulls player, says the final play was give the ball to Michael and get out of the way, which is exactly what Doug Collins said about the the, the iconic the shot play. was. but yes. Yes, yes. give give Jordan the ball and get the fuck out of the way was was that one. Uh, Michael Jordan says, I was surprised that Russell was the only one on me. Since they didn't double-team me, I took a crossover dribble to the left, stopped, and took my shot, and that was it. Jerry Sloan says, You talk jazz coach, of course. Jerry Sloan says, We thought we tried to play him as straight as we could. We probably made a mistake. Hey. I would think you did. <laughs> I would say yeah. you probably did. And uh, yeah, this was uh, another uh, iconic game in what would eventually become a very iconic, triumphant, dramatic six games. Uh, game five was the famous flu game, uh, and game six featured a really great NBA Finals finish as Scottie Pippen knocks away an inbound pass, passes it to Tony Kukoc, who dunks the ball with about a second left on the, the, the clock. He dunks. He puts his arms on the air. The finals are over. The crowd goes nuts. The sold-out United Center. Just really, really cool stuff. But yeah, '97 NBA Finals starts out great with this game one uh, buzzer beater, and is great pretty much the entire way through as as the Jazz and and, and Bulls have the first of their two iconic NBA Finals matchups here in yeah. uh, 1997. So
1: well, it's interesting. Yeah, the the Bulls win this game by two. They win game five by two and they game win game six by four. So really close margins in their wins, you know, three yeah. or four wins um, here. I mean, they, they won game two by 12. But, yeah, the, um, I, I kind of forgot how tight, you know, most of the games were um, in, in the series. You know, I mean, you, you kind of think of the Bulls and Jazz as one-sided. Obviously, the Bulls winning both those series and neither one going to game seven. But, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, the Jazz put up a pretty tough fight.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, I, I think this series just doesn't get enough credit for being as good as right. it is just because 98 yeah. is so iconic and so filled sure. with histrionics and drama and you got the last dance and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, give, give 97 it's its due. 97 is a great, great all time series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some good stuff. So yeah. Um, And speaking of a good series, I've enjoyed uh, this look at the uh, playoff buzzer beaters. You know, it's been uh, it's been fun to dig into some of these. uh, Definitely a a fun topic to do. I always uh, I I enjoy every show that we do, Rich. I mean, but I especially enjoyed uh, doing the series and digging into some cool stuff.
2: Yeah, this is a great. I mean, you had this idea uh, pretty early on in the playoffs of hey, let's do buzzer beaters, and and I didn't realize there would be as many cool, fun stories as there were. I thought a lot of them would just be like, yeah, you guys scored a shot, <laughs> <Get> the <laughs> shot. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. But right. a lot of cool stories, a lot of fun, interesting stuff, a lot of stuff to dig into. So I hope you, uh, I hope yeah. everybody enjoyed this as well because I enjoyed doing them uh, and and researching them as well.
1: Cool. Yeah, and you know, thanks everyone, of course, for uh, you know who listens to the podcast, who uh, you know gives us uh, feedback. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back. Uh, NBA, and uh, you know you can also uh, you know we're we're part of the uh, step back at uh, fan sided. You find lots of great uh, NBA content there. You know if you're into what you're doing, uh, let's you know give us a rating or review on one of the podcast platforms if we're not on and one that you like. Let us know and we'll try to get there. And um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and we're back again soon.